Well, before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Recently, we were talking about moral courage and the, the courage to do what is good in the eyes of God, even when it puts us at risk. And tonight, I want to talk about another aspect of courage. It's the courage of faith, the courage that accompanies people when we are acting in faith with God and we are being faithful to God. As we're reading in the book of Exodus about the... Uh, the deliverance of God, the children of Israel are about to be delivered from the slavery that they've experienced in the land of Egypt, being delivered from the control and the, the destruction of Pharaoh. It's an important time. Remember, Moses has already demonstrated moral courage. He's already demonstrated the courage of faith in going to Pharaoh. As well, we recalled a few weeks ago about the midwives who were courageous, the parents of Moses who were courageous. And then we see that Pharaoh has an opposite reaction, that he, every time he is, he is uh, communicated the word of the Lord, he responds with hardened heart. Now, there are moments when a plague comes, for instance, and then he quickly says, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. But it's the kind of apology that you see sometimes in kids, sometimes in adults, when the apology is really about this, I got caught. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I'm getting punished. I'm sorry there are consequences so please forgive me and stop punishing me. Stop disciplining me. Now, I'm adding words to it because, you know, when you catch kids and they're sorry that they got caught, they never say, I'm sorry I got caught. They say, I'm sorry. But adults can do exactly the same thing, and we have to discern what, what does repentance really like. But as we watch Pharaoh develop, over time we see... He's not repentant. He has great opportunity to serve the Lord because the word of the Lord has been brought to him with clarity. How many of you would like a clear word from the Lord? You've got questions, you want answers. Well, Pharaoh had answers. His problem was he didn't have any questions. He wasn't interested in the word of the Lord. He wasn't interested in the Lord. He wasn't sincere. He considered himself an equal to God and acted in this way, he rejected God's authority and basically said, who is Adonai that he could say such a thing? He rejected the Lord. And every one of us is a little Pharaoh. Every one of us has the ability to do that. Every one of us, whether we recognize it or not, we have times in our lives, maybe really serious times, when we say to the Lord, who do you think you are? And it may be much more polite, Maybe not. But our hearts, when they're hardened, are recognized by the Lord as hardened hearts. Now what's interesting is 
the children of Israel have been watching the courage and the faithfulness of Moses, and they've been watching the hardness of heart of Pharaoh, and they've been, in a sense, observers. But now there's a moment of reckoning where they have the opportunity to become people of faith. And in order to become people of faith, they have to hear the word of the Lord, and then they have to act obediently on the word of the Lord. It's not enough for them to like nod their head, yeah, yeah, I believe this, or I agree. It's not enough for them to give mental assent, as someone has described it. It's not enough for them to say words, it's time for action. And in fact, we'll see something that, that every one of us wants something from God. What you may not realize is he wants the same thing from you. You know what we all want? We all want to see the faithfulness of God. Am I right? It's not enough to just hope that God might do something. We want to see it happen, right? When you're sick and you need healing, as Brian Rose was talking about when his shoulder was injured and he was asking for prayer, he wanted a change in circumstance and situation, a change in condition. When you pray to God, it wouldn't make you happy if God said, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, fine. And then nothing changed, am I right? That wouldn't, that wouldn't be the, what you're looking for when you're praying. When you pray, you want not only an answer, you want visible evidence of the answer. Isn't that correct? Well, it turns out God's the same. When, when he asks us things, he wants to see action. He wants to see visible evidence. He wants to see that our hearts are really lined up with him and that we do what he asks us to do. And this is one of the ways that, uh, one of the keys to understanding the parables of Yeshua. Often they're focused on the difference between saying something and doing something. The, the son who's told by his father to go work in the field and says, no, thinks about it, and then he does it, changes his mind, and he does it. Other son says, yes, sure, father, I will. He thinks about it. He changes his mind. He doesn't do it. And Yeshua says, which one did the will of the father? You see that point of focus? And then there, there's things that Yeshua says, like, why do you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Or he tells the, the story of two men who build houses, one on sand and one on rock, and he compares them and says, one's foolish. And everybody who lives in Florida would understand that, even though all of our houses are built on sand but we try to get enough sand high enough or down to some rock, some stability, and we put in concrete footers and 
such things. But Yeshua said, the one who hears my word and does it, this is the wise person. And this one will survive the storm. His house, her house will survive. And so there's, there is in, in, in the understanding of God this direct connection between hearing and doing between believing and acting, and we see it emerging in, in the book of Exodus for a group of people on a scale that's unprecedented because it is meant for every single person who is counted among the children of Israel. So with that in mind, I want to go to Exodus chapter 12, and I want to focus on one verse, and then we'll look at another verse that uh, restates this in the same chapter. And the background, I, th- I think, is pretty clear. The Lord is uh, preparing to deliver the children of Israel, and he's giving instruction to them what they must do on that special night um, of deliverance, the, the night of Passover that they are to take the lamb, but they're to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts of their house, on the side posts and the top, the lintel, and that this is important and it's something they must do. Exodus 12, verse 13, gives some details, and it, it tells us some ideas about why God wants this, the purpose of it, the benefit of it, but I want you to think about it, it was necessary. It wasn't an option. This was the word of the Lord to everyone. Well, what about people who are squeamish about blood? Yeah, it was the word of the Lord for them too. This is one translation. The blood will serve you as a sign that marks the houses where you are When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. Let's let's go through that again. The blood will serve you. Isn't that interesting? The blood's for your benefit. It's marking the houses where you are. Now, this is where the courage comes in. Every house marked with blood is identifiable not only to God, but to the Egyptians. What if, what if God doesn't come? What if it doesn't happen? Can you imagine being in Nazi Germany and the Lord says to Jewish people, mark your houses, I'm gonna come and deliver you and put a big Jewish star on your house so I know you're there. I think it would have been really dangerous. It would have been scary, don't you? Because the moment you mark your house, you're marked. You're identifiable. You're not in hiding. You are visible not only to God. You're visible to your enemies, to those who threaten you. And I could imagine that there was a sense of risk that the children of Israel could have felt 
if we all do this all at once, we are saying we are in this totally. And if it goes bad, it's going to go bad for all of us. No hiding for anyone. That's part one. There's another part. They understand that this plague is going to be different from all others. It's going to touch every house that has not faithfully put their trust in God and done what God has said. And every barn, if you will, every stable, every, every sheepfold, the firstborn are going to be destroyed in every house, no matter what their age, not just the little babies, all the way up to the oldest ones. So imagine that it is true that this happens. It's true that God protects the children of Israel, but all of Egypt suffers. There's another thing to be afraid of. What if God doesn't deliver them and the Egyptians are so angry and so hostile because of this that they, they want to destroy all the children of Israel? Every house is marked. Do you see? See the risk? It took real courage. Their faith, the faith of the children of Israel is combined with courage. There is no faith in this situation without courage. The blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, now this is a provocative idea because it indicates something, that God who is in heaven will come down to earth and that God, who is invisible and spiritual, has the ability to enter the physical world of humanity, of our universe, and then to perceive every single house that's been marked. And then he says, I will pass over you. And there's some debate over what pass over means. I think that the meaning is pretty clear, and I'll explain it in just a moment. But many people think that Passover means I will skip. And so I'll see the blood, and I won't come to that house. But that's not what it means. Passover is derived from a word that describes a lamb or a sheep that's bouncing through the pasture. And in a sense, the Lord is saying, I'm going to bounce through the land. And where am I going to land? Every place where the blood of the lamb is. And I'm going to do something there. And this is because, because it can be understood several different ways. It's important that we grasp what God was trying to tell the children of Israel would happen. So let's go 10 verses later. If you're in Exodus chapter 12, go down to verse 23. Because this is a restatement of the prophetic word we just read. And it amplifies and it clarifies the meaning. When the Lord passes through to strike down the Egyptians, that's, that was pretty clear already, he will see the blood on the top and the two side posts and he will pass over the door. And in this way, he will not allow the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. That's presenting a very 
important picture. He will not allow, he will not permit. The destroyer is coming through the land, but the Lord is interceding by standing between the destroyer and the family inside the house. And he won't let the destroyer in. This is very important for you and I, for you and me to understand, because it helps us see a pattern of redemption that continues over and over again, and a pattern of protection and provision as well. You see the same thing in, in the prophetic scriptures about the giving of the tithe. When we give the whole tithe to the Lord, he says, I'll not only provide for you, I'll protect you from the destroyer. The same pattern. You see that Yeshua is providing in the same way. Not only is he recognizing us with faith, our faith and faithfulness, but he's promising to stand as a shield to protect us from the one who wants to destroy us. He's not passive. It's not that he's skipping us. How would you feel if when you're praying for God's protection, he says, okay, I'll skip you. No, I need your protection. Don't skip me. Skip to me. Skip to my loo. <laughs> or something. Come to me. When, once you grasp this, that what was going on was so powerful. God was personally saying, I am going to protect you that night. I am personally going to come to your house. And how do I know it's your house? Mark it with the blood of the lamb. Stay inside. Don't go out. Don't go anywhere. Pray the whole time and then get ready to leave because suddenly... We're getting out of here. Powerful. And this was not for a few. This was for everyone. It wasn't for Moses. It was for all of Israel. It wasn't for only the ones who were strong of faith. It was for the ones who were weak in their faith. It was for the ones who weren't, who weren't sure, but now they had to decide what am I going to do? Now here's what's important. This is a prophetic word to Israel. Do you see this? It's a prophetic word in, in this way. It's a direct instruction from God that helps Israel understand the times and the situation and what they must do and what God will do and what will happen along the way. And the nature of all prophetic words like this is you do have an opportunity to see if the word gets fulfilled. And then you can evaluate it was the word of the Lord. But the only way you get the opportunity in this case to see if the word is fulfilled is to do your part. Do you get that? You can't, well, you could. You could say, you know, I'm not so sure. I've had questions about this God business. And, you know, I'm, I can't say I'm an atheist. I'm more of an agnostic. So I'm, I'm undecided. I think I'm going to just watch. And then you start thinking about your firstborn. Gee, my firstborn's at risk. 
Mm. And then you remember something. You're a firstborn. And you weren't thinking about that. And then your dog, you love your dog. Your dog's a firstborn. And you're thinking, you know, I know I'm not an atheist. Maybe I'm not even agnostic. I think, I think I believe God. Are you sure? Well, you got 12 hours. (laughs) Make a decision. Isn't that how life can be? There are moments in life when time's up. Make a decision. Make your choice. Decide, yes or no. And all of Israel made the decision to be faithful. Isn't that an amazing moment? Imagine this, all the people in your family you've been praying for that they would love God and follow God. And on one night, everyone, every family had the same experience. All those people acted in a trusting way with God. Wouldn't that encourage you? It encouraged me. And not only this, imagine it wasn't just one of us or another of us who had that experience. Everyone had the experience. Everyone. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people simultaneously deciding to be faithful to God. That would have an impact on you, right? Well, this is what I want our attention to turn to. God is looking for active faith, for faith in action, not just thoughts and feelings, but faith that becomes visible and reveals itself in our actions. That our faith becomes visible and that his faithfulness becomes visible to us and to other people through us and by us. As I was praying for Rabbi Joe Bell, and communicating with him last night, I wanted to make visible God's faithfulness to him. And how could I do it? By the expression from my heart to him. When Sandy and I were talking to this waitress, we wanted to make visible the faithfulness of God. I love to say we're newlyweds. And here's the reason. There have been so many times when we've gone places where people don't know us and they see that we're affectionate to each other and we're looking each other in the eyes and we're holding hands and we're walking and we're talking and we're having a good time. And some people come up and say, how long have you guys been married? And I say, I always say the same thing. Oh, we're newlyweds. And In every case, people say, I knew it. I knew it. I say, yeah, we've just been married 42 years. It's a good good way of communicating. But it's true. You see, you can express to other people, you can make visible the love you have for God and the love you have for one another 
You can convey that by the way you live and the way you act. And God makes visible his love and his care for you and for others. So when you experience, when you experience the fulfillment of God's prophetic nature in your life, the fact that he answers prayer, the fact that he shows you how to pray, the fact that he puts things in your heart and you agree with it and you start praying in that direction and then you see it happen, you see it become visible. It encourages you. It makes you stronger. It makes you confident in God for the next thing. It builds your trust. It also builds a sense of awe. God is mighty. And a sense that God, though he's patient and loving, has a timetable that includes now. Now is the time to act. Now is the time for deliverance. Now is the time. And it really is powerful when we agree to God's now. When God says now and we say now, now it is. It's a wonderful thing. Our faith is not blind. It is faith that trusts before it sees, but it's faith that sees because our faith is in a God who makes visible his faithfulness. How many of us can, can verify that God has answered prayers concretely in our lives? And how many of us have more than one answer? Like more than 10 answers, more than 100 answers. How many have years of answers? Decades of answers. Yeah. If you talk to those who have raised their hands and you say, tell me something, you'll get a concrete story. You'll get a real story. This is what God did. How many people face life-threatening situations in their own lives and they're still alive? How many people have prayed for loved ones who face life-threatening situations and they were even on the brink of death, but God rescued them? How many lost almost everything and then God restored? It's amazing, isn't it? This is a moment in Israel's history that becomes defining and that sets the pattern for faith for all future moments. God is the one who defines the terms. You see, it's interesting. He's the one who says, here's how it works. It's going to take some blood. It's going to take some trust. It's going to take a lamb. It's going to take some action. You do your part, I'll do my part, and you will see the deliverance of God. I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. I was in another kingdom before in my life. And God delivered me from that kingdom. And now I'm in the kingdom of his beloved son. It's a different kingdom. 
I, I lived under another pharaoh. And I got, I got redeemed. I got set free from that pharaoh and brought into a kingdom with a kindly king and a good king and a merciful king and a compassionate king. How many of you can say the same? It's good to know that you used to be a slave in another kingdom and now you're a free man or free woman in this kingdom. I want to close with words from the closing prayer after every Haftorah reading. We say these words. You can find it in your Siddur on page 70 if you have one in front of you. I'll read in English. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, rock of all eternities, faithful in all generations, the trustworthy God who says and does, who speaks and makes it come to pass, all of whose words are true and righteous. Faithful are you, O Lord our God, and faithful are your words. For not one word of yours is turned back unfulfilled. For you are a faithful and compassionate God and King. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God who is faithful in all his words. That's the God we serve. Every time we read from the prophets, when we're finished reading, we say this about God. That's who you are. And it's not just the abstract idea. You know what it means? The scriptures are the revelation of God. All the words of the Lord are true. But what it also means is God is faithful to me. And to you, and to you, and you, and you, and you. That's who he is. And he's not only faithful, he's compassionate and merciful. That's the God we serve. Well, my hope is as we consider the, the love of God and the faithfulness of God, that our faith will be courageous faith, that we won't be afraid to do what God assigns to us. When he says, this is my way, walk in it, that we'll say, yes, sir. Glad to do it, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, give us courageous faith. Let our hearts be aligned with your heart. And let it be that we are a testimony of your faithfulness and that we make visible your faithfulness to other people. And let the words of our mouths, Lord, reflect your faithfulness. That we could tell other people good news about Messiah Yeshua, about redemption, about the life of faith. That they too would experience your great love, your great mercy, your great compassion, and your great deliverance. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please stand? And if you're by yourself, just move.
a little bit. Just enough so that you're not by yourself. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'nave lecha v'yichudecha yisa Adonai p'nave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Amen.